let's just, just stay standing. Let's pray a minute. God, I just, I was so moved there by the music today and the songs, the lyrics, as we were able to rehearse out loud together, all the stuff about Jesus that we sang about today. And, and Lord, I know that Holy Spirit, you work in all kinds of ways. And one of the ways you work is in our planning. And the service that was planned today as I was listening uh, to what's about to come right now in the message, it just so paved the way. And I was moved to the depths of my soul, personally, uh, knowing what I'm about to say, that out of the songs that we sang about you, Jesus, how wonderful you are, that you would go to the cross for us and it would make a way for us to come before the Father. And I just thank you in this moment that we were able to bow down and worship you and thank you for that. We thank you. Just pray now that you would speak to every one of us today. Every one of us would hear from you. Right at the point of our deepest need and our longing. And possibly you want to challenge us today in some way. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, I'd love it if you go ahead and have a seat. That'd be wonderful. Thank you guys for leading us today. That's awesome. Every week they're over here in this room right here. We call the student ministry room, uh, student multi-purpose room. And so I just love the fact that they are so engaged. And the students are here today. Where are they at? Where are the high school students at? Just all over or right down here? Awesome. Thanks for being here today. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well and just let you know that I'd like to ask a favor. If you're watching online, I'd love to ask you to fill out the connection card today and let me know who you are and where you are. Just love it if you would do that because somewhere around over 100 different folks every week stream our service live. And uh, last week, some folks from the Philippines were watching our services. And so I just like to know, just tell me. Where you are, how many are there, and just uh, love to have a connection with you. There's a connection card you can fill out right there online as you watch the service. So I want to welcome everyone to uh, the, ser- the series that we're in, our summer series. It's called The Creed. It's based on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and as I shared with you last week, as I was the host, that I've been longing to do this series for over two years now. And as we've been looking at the right time, well, as we were looking at the series that we're, or the, the theme that we're in for our vision for 2017 to be the hope, uh, I just realized that this is the time that we would do this. And here's why. Because we live in a time, and we sing a song called We Believe, and it begins by talking about we live in times of desperation. And if we're going to be the hope, if we're really going to be, make a difference in our world as people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ then we need to know what we believe. We need to have, be able to stand with confidence on what we believe because there's so much coming at us today, so much information, so much challenge to the biblical truth that we need to understand that biblical truth if we're actually going to be able to be the hope. Now, the Apostle Creed was written, some say as early as 150 A.D., and it was written uh, for a couple of reasons. The first reason, it was written to correct error, because already that there was error coming into the church. If you're a student of church history, you know that there were several different uh, errors that were corrected by the early church as they were making sure that they had clear uh, definition of the message of Jesus Christ and who he was. And the second reason, it was to form the people of God. So here's, here's what would form you as a person. It was written to help the people of God know how they would relate to him, 
be in relationship, and to be able to fulfill his purposes in the world. It was written to give them clarity about what they believed if they said they followed Jesus, what they believed. And it was also given, Pastor John talked about this in the first week of the series, to give them a sense of community. So community as they were part of a local gathering, a local church, but also community that went just beyond me and my and my group, but it was a community that went to all the churches. As in the creed we read, it says universal church. All the churches have community together and all who claim the name of Jesus. So when we recite the creed, what we're doing, Pastor Mark mentioned this last week, is that we are rejecting the narratives of our day. So we're rejecting the common narratives by reciting the truth of God's word of how life works, the meaning of life, and for what it is that is going to give us a full life. So I'm going to encourage you, if you would, to go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew 16. That's where we're just going to start today is Matthew 16. If you don't own a Bible, I want to give you one. So if you stop at the bookshelves right out here, uh, you can grab a Bible. We'd love for you to have one, and you can take that today as well. I also want to mention right now that uh, that we have several books in our bookstore that I picked for this series, and one particular is for uh, families. So if you have young children, it's a devotional that you can read about how big God is and what he's doing. So you can look at those as well. But also grab these message notes out of your program. Just love for you to be able to follow along and be able to take some notes today, some thoughts that then you can look at later. Uh, I always love this part of writing myself as it helps me to take what I'm hearing and get deeper into my heart. It's not just knowledge, but it's in deeper into my heart so that I can act on it during the week in some way. So I want you to notice at the top of your notes is the section of the creed that we're looking at today. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you would just read that out loud with me. I think it'll be on the screen as well. If, yeah, remember, there we go. Let's read it. Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. We're looking at Jesus Christ today. A couple of years ago, on The Daily Show, that's where I get all my news, right? John Oliver was interviewing his guest, and his guest had written a book about Jesus. And he was talking about, hey, you've written just yet another of, uh, to, of the books about Jesus, kind of like adding on to the top of the mountain of books that are written about him. And this, this is what John Oliver said as part of that interview. He says, I think that everyone in the world has heard now of Jesus. Everyone has a relationship with Jesus, whether they want one or not. That was his statement. Now, I, I think he was saying this flippantly uh, and in a joking way, but I think he was actually correct in what he said. The shadow of Jesus of Nazareth looms long and large over human history in the way that no other person's shadow ever has. The shadow of Jesus. No matter what you think about Jesus, he is clearly the most important human being who's ever lived in history. More histories have been affected by Jesus. He's influenced more culture, art, medicine, scientific inquiry, philosophy, age of the hurting and broken than any person ever has. Even today, 21 centuries after Jesus walked the face of the planet, he's still casting a long shadow over our world. Jesus turns up in songs, on Broadway, on the big screen, on covers of magazines and covers of newspapers. The existence of Jesus and his influence and his claims, I would say it makes it essential that we study who Jesus is so we can know clearly who he is, what he said he came to do, and then what he would do in our lives as well. What does the Bible say 
about Jesus. Uh, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It's from his book, Mere Christianity. It's written for followers of Jesus to understand what followers of Jesus believe. Many of you may have heard this. He says this, A man who merely was a man and said the sort of things of Jesus would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. That's not an option. He's not left that open to us. So who's this man called Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into the middle section of the creed. And so if you have the card that we gave out a couple of weeks ago, by the way, if you want one of these, you didn't get one, I scattered them all over the lobby this morning, uh, out in the bookstore, the Welcome Center, on tables. If you didn't get one, I'd love for you to have one. But we're going to enter this, this center section here. The creed is 110 words long. 70 of them are about Jesus. 70 are about Jesus and what he's done. He's the central figure of the creed, the central figure of the Bible as well. So I'm going to begin with Matthew 16. And this is what was happening. Jesus had been with his disciples, uh, and they've been uh, doing ministry. And there's this moment where uh, many of the uh, people who were following Jesus left Jesus because he started speaking truth. And the truth was not, didn't tickle their ears. And so he, they were leaving them. And then Jesus said to them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So basically, he's just a glorified prophet. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter asked him, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So who do you say that I am? The Messiah, the son of the living God. So the goal today, as we walk through our time together, the goal is this, is that whenever someone asks you, okay, someone asks you who Jesus is, that you will be able to say, Jesus Christ is God's only son, my Lord. That you would be able to say, without hesitation, without embarrassment, uh, with, uh, but do it in a pleasant way, uh, in a way that we, that the uh, first Peter talks about, that we would do it in a way that's winsome, uh, but yet forthright. That Jesus Christ is God's son, only son, and he's my Lord. So I mentioned last week that we're having this series because we want to be able to have hope, and hope is built on a solid foundation. So I want to walk through some ways that we can look at Jesus, and that gives us hope for life. And so let's just jump right in. The first point is this. Our hope is based upon Jesus as Savior. Now, most of the songs we just went, uh, sang talked about Jesus being Savior and that he cleansed us from our sins. And he made a way for us to be in relationship with God. So the word Jesus actually means Savior. Uh, and it means uh, the God who saves. Uh, and so just his name means that. Now, other folks were named Jesus and have been named Jesus since then. Were they the Savior? No. Jesus was the one designated by God as the Savior. And so he's the one who God sent to save. So when uh, Joseph was being had, was, had the revelation to him 
from the angel that uh, Mary was going to have a child. And we're going to talk about this next week, about virgin birth next week. Uh, and so he said, you will name him Jesus. That's what it says there. It says, she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the one who will save us, make it possible for us to be set free from our sins. And we're going to talk about more about how he did that in just a little bit. Next, our hope is based upon Jesus as Christ, as Christ, Jesus Christ. And Christ means the Messiah, means the Messiah. So Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the creed affirms this, and at its root, when it says Jesus Christ, and, and we know that that means the anointed one. That's what Christ means. So some folks think Jesus is his first name and Christ is his last name. That's not accurate. Not at all. Okay, so let's get that clear. You know, it's not Jesus Christ, last name. It, it, actually, it should be this way, right? It should be Jesus the Christ. The Christ. Because it's talking about a role. It's talking about an anointing he had by God uh, to fulfill a certain calling uh, or fill an office uh, that would be one who was set apart for God's purpose on mission. So Andrew says this. He says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. I love this about Andrew. And I love this as we're going to end our time together today, is that when we get to meet Jesus, what Jesus wants to do is to bring others to meet him, bring the others to be able to know him as well. Andrew is saying, we found, hey, guess what? You know, the nation of Israel has been waiting for the Messiah. They've had the 400 years where they've not heard from God, and they've been waiting on the Messiah to come, and they believe that when the Messiah comes, he's going to set them free, and their version of free was free of Roman oppression, and that would elevate them as a nation again, and they would be the rulers of the land as a nation of Israel. But really, what we learn as Jesus was here, that he came as a Messiah for a different purpose and a different reason, and that was that he would rule over all humankind, that he would be the ruler. So what I want to do is I want to slow down now. I got us to this point. I want to slow down just a little bit, and I want to walk through what does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? What does that mean, that Jesus is the Christ? And I'm going to use a verse from Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And it's on your notes there. Maybe you have your Bible open if you want to, to Revelation 1.5. And I want you to ask you, as we read this, to have your pen ready, and I want you to underline three different statements. Because we're going to come back and we're going to look at these statements when we go to the backside of our notes. So we have three statements here that I want you to underline. It says this. He, and by the way, that means Jesus Christ. He, Jesus Christ, is the faithful witness. Underline that. Faithful witness to these things. He, Jesus Christ, is the first to rise from the dead. Underline that. The first to rise from the dead. Second role or the second office. And he, Jesus Christ, is the ruler of all the kings in the world. Underline that. The ruler of all the kings in the world. And then it goes on to say, because Jesus is this, all glory to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. So let's go on the back side of our notes now. And I want to walk through those three phrases in the order that you underline them. And we're going to look at three roles that Jesus fulfilled as God's anointed one and is still fulfilling today, by the way. By the way. First, as the Christ, Jesus is prophet. 
Jesus is prophet. He is the faithful witness. He's the faithful witness, meaning that when Jesus came, what he spoke was God's truth. He spoke God's truth to people. He spoke God's truth to people, that we would hear God's truth for us. And that's what a prophet's job was. And we look through the, uh, the Old Testament, and we can see that a prophet was called and designated or uh, anointed in some way, either by God or others, to speak words of truth from God to people from God. They revealed God's word to them, and he came to tell people the truth. And so prophets came, and they told people the truth about God. And many times in the Old Testament, when the truth was about God, it was because, and what they realized is, is that they were believing a different truth or a false truth about who God was. And so they, had their, uh, they were able to be in alignment again with who God was, the truth about God, the truth about Jesus. And so that's what we're looking about here is he came to say, here's the truth about him. But also the prophets prophesied about Jesus and the truth that would be about him. The truth about the Holy Spirit and that Jesus talks a lot about Holy Spirit when he's here. And we're going to look at the Holy Spirit when we get to that section of the creed together. And finally, the truth about us. And the truth about where we are, where we stand, and how we can have meaning in life. So he tells us the truth. So one time Jesus was asked his disciples um, if the truth... I love this. Uh, I've been in this place. And you may have as well. He asked them, is the truth more than you bargained for? Is that, is that what's happening now? Is the truth more that you're bargained for? Was it too hard? Is it getting too hard to follow me as the way, the truth, and the life? And then here was their response in John 6. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words, words, you're the prophet, you're the one speaking for God to us of eternal life. And so we look to you as prophets. And so what Peter was doing and the other disciples were doing at this point as they were actually saying, no matter how things may be or get, no matter how, what others say or do, no matter how I feel or think, I'm declaring you to speak God's truth to me. I'm declaring that you are speaking God's truth to me. You speak truth, and here's what we're saying by that. We're saying that we're going to live by your truth. We are going to follow what you say. And what he's saying really is he's saying, our hope is in you and you alone. We can't turn anywhere else. There's nowhere else that we can go to for hope. Our hope is in you. You are the one who never changes. You are the one who was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are the Alpha and Omega and we're going to trust you and place all our hope in you. I believe you, Jesus, when you said that you came to give us life in all its fullness. I believe you, Jesus, that when I follow you as you guide and as you command, that I will flourish. That's how I'll find human flourishing is when I follow Jesus and I will know the fullness that you intended. But here's the deal. But if I don't follow you, if I don't let you be my truth... I'll be following the lead of the one the Bible says came to kill, steal, and destroy. And I won't know flourishing. And I will hurt my soul, and I will hurt others as well. So Jesus is God in flesh, the word. Second, Jesus Christ is priest. He's priest. That's how we can have hope. He's our priest. 
So as the first to rise from the dead, that was the phrase, the first to rise from the dead, Jesus is now before the Father to speak to God for us. So Jesus is speaking to God for people. That's what a priest does, speaks to God for people. And a priest, we talk about this in our journey classes in 101, is uh, that the priest is the one who builds bridges of connection to God. They build connections between where people are and so that people can move into a relationship with God. They're mediators between God and people. They offer prayers for the people. They offer praise to God for the people. They offer sacrifices to God for the people. And when Jesus came, he came as the perfect priest, the great high priest, and he came to offer the only perfect sacrifice so that there would never be another sacrifice ever to be made again. He came to be our perfect high priest. Instead of a lamb, he offered himself as the perfect lamb. Look, this is what Hebrews 4 says. There's so many verses I could have pulled out of Hebrews for this one. So many. Hebrews is so rich in talking about Jesus as our great high priest. And it says this. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, just in case we're wondering who that is, let us hold firmly to what we believe. So hold firmly. And we talked about last week, Pastor Mark talked about the fact that we can have head knowledge or we can have heart knowledge. Head knowledge is information and understanding. Heart knowledge is belief and action. So holding on is action. It's something that I do. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of God, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So Jesus not only um, offered the sacrifice to the people, but he actually gave the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice for the people. Okay, and the last idea is this, gives us hope, is that Christ is king. So it's prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. And the phrase was, as ruler of the kings of the world. As ruler of the kings of the world, he reigns with authority from God. So he's the one that has all authority. When he was anointed, He was anointed to be the king, and now he's with God in heaven. We're going to talk about the ascension as part of this series as well. That He's with God at the right hand of God. He's reigning with authority over people, over over everything. He's reigning with authority. This is what kind of getting into this idea about Jesus being king in John 6, 18. Pilate said to Jesus, so you were a king. Jesus answered him, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born... And for this purpose, I've come into the world to what? Bear witness to the truth. So this is his prophetic calling right now. To be witness, bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Listens to my voice. So Jesus is the Christ. The Christ is the prophet. The Christ is the priest. And the Christ is the king, ruler over all things. So how does that relate to us? What do I do with that? How, how do I relate to that? What information do I... Uh, how, how does that change me so it's not just knowledge? Because you guys could just hear me right now, and you could walk in and say, well, I have more knowledge today. And because I have more knowledge, I know I'm going to change. Anybody ever find that to be true? 
No. So I'm going to talk about how this changes us. Just for a little bit. There's no blanks to fill in. You can just kind of listen or you can doodle. Don't text. Okay. I know we have teenagers in here. I own one. I know what that's like. Okay. So here we go. First, we all need wisdom. Would anyone here say you don't need wisdom? No, we all need wisdom, right? And we all want to have wisdom that works, right? We all want to know that the wisdom we get is actually effective. We all want to know the wisdom we get is truth. We all need wisdom. So I just say to teenagers, the older I get, the dumber I know I am. Okay, so just know that. And I have a teenager to tell me, okay, by the way. But here's the deal. The older I get, the dumber I realize I am. And so I would just encourage you as teenagers right now to just be open to the fact that you don't know all, you don't know everything, and to be able to say, I'm going to look to God as the one who knows. I'm going to say right now, today, that I'm going to look to him for wisdom. I'm going to look to him for teaching. I'm going to look to him for my truth. And I just would say today, because of the teenagers, I just want to say, your generation needs this more than any generation, I believe, is God's wisdom. See, in our age of relativism, there is never, this is so crazy, in a world of relativism, there's never been more people telling you what is true. You see this? In an age of relativism, everyone wants to tell you what is true, but it's their truth. And you need this. So I would just say today, don't believe their truth. I'll say it a minute. Don't believe your truth. Believe God's word is truth. Follow his word as truth. And so you just know that he's a light for our path, the Bible says, and he's an anchor for our souls. And we all need God to direct our journey and we just submit to him. Next, we all need a bridge builder. We all need a bridge builder. So we need someone that's going to help us from where we are to be close to God. And uh, it doesn't matter how long you follow Jesus, and uh, at least maybe this is my, my story only. Uh, but what happens the longer I follow Jesus is the more... I realize I'm further away from him. Does that make sense? Um, is that I, the more I realize that it takes a lot of effort on my part uh, to, to keep that relationship with Jesus strong and deep and to be in union with him. So I need Jesus to come to me, and he's my bridge builder. He's the one I look to, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need you so much. I need to know God. I don't know how to get to him. And he says, let me build the bridge. He has empathy for me. He teaches me truth. He pulls me closer and closer to God. He is the bridge builder. Because see, folks, I'll just say, we all have access to God the Father. It's through Jesus. It's always through Jesus that we get to the Father. We all have, we can have intimacy with God, but it's through Jesus. We can all have a relationship with God, but it's through Jesus. We are brought before the throne of God through Jesus. So can you just imagine that? We get to be before the throne of God because of what Jesus has done. I, I say, students, I just want to say, you get this. I, can, here's how I see it. I, I sneak down sometimes and watch you in your worship times. I see students as they, as they worship many times, and I think, you get this. And the way I see it is in your passion for worship. Uh, because, see, what you do is you're worshiping out of this deep need that you know you have for him, and you're realizing that he's made you acceptable because I, you feel more than probably anyone the shame and guilt of uh, that's so heavy on us in life and that you realize that God's come to you and through Jesus, he's adopted you into his family. He's actually made you his friend. 
And out of that understanding, and this is why I just love worshiping with you, but out of that understanding, it makes you unabandoned. You know, just totally unabandoned. Unconcerned what anyone thinks. And I think that's a really cool thing because we all know that when we went through adolescence that we were mostly concerned by what everybody thought, right? And especially in the age of social media where we're always being bombarded by what everyone thinks and all perfect images, that we are actually set free and we're unleashed to worship God with passion because of who Jesus is. And then lastly, I'll just say this, we all need a king. So in our age, leaders fail. In our age, leaders fall. But we have a king who stands with integrity of mind, heart, and action. He never fails. He leads us down the pathways of God. So I just want to encourage you students that this would be a a really awesome thing to do. Make Jesus your king. Make Jesus your king. Surrender to him. Let him have full authority over every area of your life. So it would be awesome as a teenager, because I learned this in my late 50s, be awesome as a teenager is if you could learn to release outcomes to God. You could live life, but you're releasing the outcome, the control to him. To let go of the false narrative, this is the false narrative our culture gives us, that you are the one in control of your life and you are the one in control of your destiny. To let go of that false narrative. To learn to walk with God and trust him that he's going to work all things for the good. That he will always accomplish his will in this world and that includes you and your life. No matter how it may look in the moment, you can trust him. So Jesus is our king, he's our high priest, he's the Messiah, he came to save us from our sins and set us free, bring us into relationship, he came to speak God's truth to us. Whew, that's Christ. Last thing that the creed says, our Lord, our Lord. This is where the rubber is really going to hit the road here. Our Lord. See, the phrase Jesus is Lord talking about Jesus as being the ruler. That phrase occurs about 300 times in the New Testament. It's one of the most common designations given to Jesus, to his ministry, his personhood, and who he is. Jesus is the Lord. And one of the best verses that talks about this, in fact, I wanted to do my entire message out of this, but we, didn't, we couldn't do that today, is Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And it says this, Therefore, because Jesus had surrendered and submitted to God, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Here's the deal. Every knee bows to Jesus now or later. Every knee bows to Jesus now or later. So here's the deal. When you say Jesus is your Lord, you're saying Jesus is my master. Jesus is my ruler. Jesus is the one who's going to call the shots in my life. I no longer belong to myself because by belonging to him, that's the way to flourishing and the way to peace and to joy. I no longer have the right to call the shots for my life. And I'll just say it this way. Your satisfaction with Jesus will be directly determined By your submission to Jesus. Your satisfaction with Jesus will be directly determined by your submission with Jesus. If you're not submitted to him, you won't be satisfied with him. 
And you'll be looking everywhere else for ways to fill the needs and desires and destiny that you have in your life and your heart. Your satisfaction, your joy, your contentment, your impact, and your peace with life will be directly determined by your surrender to Jesus. So we talk about this a lot. We talk about the fact that, uh, that the way kind of the evangelical church and somewhere around the great revivals of America, but then through all the, the revivals that happened in our land, uh, through the Billy Graham crusades and all that, that, that basically there was this idea that surrendering to Jesus meant saying a prayer, and it was a prayer of, quote, salvation. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and so now I'm surrendered to Jesus. But folks, I just need to tell you, that's not, that's not the history. That's not the biblical story. The biblical story is, I say a prayer, because it's in that prayer that I affirm that I'm a sinner, and that Jesus died on that cross for me, and I want to receive forgiveness, because he's now my perfect priest, high, perfect sacrifice. He's my high priest. But the history of the church is that I didn't become a follower of Jesus until I made him my Lord, until I said, I surrender everything to you. And what we've done in the church is we've made receiving Jesus to be like punching my ticket to heaven. It's, got, it's punched. I know I'm going to heaven. That's all I need to worry about. I'm going to heaven, right? But the Bible teaches in the history of the church, beginning with the Apostles' Creed, is that Jesus demands to be my Lord. He deserves to be my Lord. He desires to be my Lord. And this is what it says. Um, so I just want to wrap up today uh, by sharing this last verse from Revelation 1.6. Just kind of land the jet here. It says in Revelation 1.6, He has made us, this is followers of Jesus, a kingdom of priests for God his Father, and then all glory and power to him forever. So notice what it says. He's made us a what? A kingdom of what? Priests. So here's the deal. If you were a follower of Jesus, if you have prayed the prayer, surrendered to him as Lord, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a priest. You are a priest. And what did we say a priest's role was? A priest's role was to be a bridge builder between people and God. And you're, not, you're not here to make sacrifices, okay? You're, I mean, none of us is perfect enough to make a sacrifice. But what we can do is we can be a bridge builder between people and God. That's our role. Just as Jesus entered the fray of our world, came from the Trinity, from perfection, put aside his glory, just as Jesus entered the fray of our world and came to our broken world, we as priests, we as Christ's ambassadors are called, commissioned, and anointed for the same task, to enter into the fray of our world, not to build up walls of defense, but to enter into the fray of the world to bring the hope that Jesus, only Jesus offers. And that's how we can be the hope. Let's pray together. I just want to ask three questions 
as part of my prayer. First one is this. Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Has there been that moment when you said yes to what he did on the cross for you? That it, it requires submission right here. It requires humility to say that you're broken, that you've sinned, and that you can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do to earn it. If you have never done that, would you be willing today to say with me, you can say this right in your, you're in your mind, flowing into your heart, Jesus, I want to receive you today as my Savior. I confess my sin, a whole pile of it. I ask you for forgiveness and cleansing because of what you did for the cross by shedding your perfect blood. And Jesus, I ask you now to restore me, to regenerate me, to make me new, as the Bible says. I just want to ask this next question. After you've prayed that prayer, have you surrendered to Jesus as your Lord? And uh, this is more than just a head thing here. But you could pray a prayer in your mind that goes into your heart. And you would just say right now, Jesus, I surrender to you as the Lord of my life. You are my master. You call the shots. As the Roman centurion said to you, just say the word and I'll do it. Just say the word. I want to be a just say the word follower of Jesus. So when I get in difficult situations, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to learn to walk with you in relationship. I'm going to learn what it's like to be in intimacy with you. And I just pray that you would continue to show yourself to me. But I want today to surrender to you as my Lord. And then the last question I would ask is this. Would you be willing to say to Jesus, I need Jesus for you to be my teacher. I want you to show me the pathway of life. I want you to show me how to live in a culture that increasingly, at the most rapid pace I think we've ever seen, is moving away from you and from living by truth and biblical values. And so I come to you, Jesus, and I just declare today that you are my Christ. You are the Christ, and you are my teacher. And God, I pray for all of us now. I pray for each of us that we would take on the role and responsibility as priests, that be willing to, just as we move out from this place, move into our ordinary life, our ordinary world, that we'd realize that church is just not a place to come to, to escape the world, but that this place as a hospital for sinners is a place for me to help other people like myself find the pathway to healing. Help us to be willing to go into the fray. Help us to be willing to get gritty and dirty. 
just so that we can help other people see that you love them. I thank you, Jesus, for that power and, and that thought and just ask you to work your will through us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.